Kevin, Tanya, Dennis, thank you so much for, um, you know, letting me talk with you today. Um, so I think this is my first like three person interview. So, um, over video, so this is going to be very interesting, but it's fun. It's like a little party. (laughs) Um, so first of all, to start, um, Connecticut wealth management recently won first place as the Hartford business journals, one of the best places to work in Connecticut. So first of all, Congratulations. Um, and to start, uh, if we could just start from the beginning, what work does Connecticut Wealth Management do and how long has the business been around? Well, first, thank you, Shannon. Thank you for having us. This is this is fun. Hopefully, um, we do like to have a little fun, as you know, and so uh, we'll, we'll try to stay professional, too. Um, Dennis, do you want to you want to talk a little bit about who we are and what we do? Sure. Um, yeah, thanks, Shannon. Appreciate it. It's actually, uh, we've won first place in best places to work in Connecticut now twice, um, which is just awesome. I mean, it really, uh, we're really proud of the fact that we've kind of created the environment where our clients actually love us and our employees love us too, love the whole organization. So it's pretty neat. So we, we started the firm 10 years ago. We actually spun out of an accounting firm, a pretty large regional accounting firm here in Farmington, actually. Um, and what we what we desired to do at the time was to really kind of create a, a, a revolutionary type of wealth management firm, and, and that's what we've done. We work with executives, and, and more than that, we work with business owners. Actually, business owners are a core part of of our um, business, which is why we are members of the CBIA. So thank you, by the way, for the CBIA for all the work that you do. And so we do we do wealth management for business owners. Um, and we kind of sit in that intersection of a business owner's business life, personal life, and their personal financial planning life. Well, that's kind of where we, where we reside. And we, we really desire to make a big difference in a business owner's life to help them balance those three things. Um, that's what we do. There are uh, several of us now in the organization. I, I don't know exactly what the number is, but what we've been able to do over the past 10 years is focus on culture. Uh, the feeling is, you know, you take care of your employees, you create a great culture, they will take care of your clients, your clients will love you and they'll stay loyal. So I, I do I do want to tell you when we started 10 years ago, um, Kevin and I were, were uh, conjuring up this idea and Kevin said he had a desire to create a place where the best people in the wealth management industry in the area wanted to go work. That was That was absolutely at the core of what we were trying to create was a culture and an environment that allows us to do things like win best places to work. I think the one thing that we've always emphasized is that we're a people first culture, you know, team members and our clients come first. Um, and we've embraced that to this day with everything that we do and every decision that we make. Yeah. yeah I mean, I guess I'll jump in back to the, you know, just kind of, uh, wh- what do we do? How long have we been around again? It's been 10 years. We've in many ways, a lot of people might consider us if, if you looked from afar to be a traditional wealth management firm, um, and then, then we certainly serve that role for, for many people. But uh, I think the, the unique thing that we've been able to do because we're an independent firm is really um, change as, as we saw the need, as our clients saw the need. So again, as Dennis was alluding to, um, our client base over time has become more and more focused on business owners. So, so you know, and, and what we've realized over time is that, and this is true of, of executives and large companies as well, um, but, but business owners especially are so busy, 
right? Their lives are, are, are being, they're being pulled in so many directions, right? They, they have, they have in many cases, families, right? Sometimes it's, it's, it's depending on their station in life, their kids might, it might be getting a soccer games. It might be doing all sorts of things. It's, it's, uh, it's clients, it's vendors, it's it's their executive team, it's their it's their partners. They have so many decisions to make, and all of it, um, and, and one part of it instructs the other, right? Their personal finances um, uh, overlaps into the business finances, and and it all overlaps into their personal life. So we have really became become a, a, a firm that that helps business owners sort through all of that. Um, which, by the way, is also interesting that we're talking about culture because more and more, some some of our business owner clients are asking us, "Hey, can you guys help us?" <laughs> right? We're we're doing great. Our financial our our financial metrics are fine, but it's not a great environment, or it's not a great ha it's not a it's not a super happy place to be, and and it seems like it's um it's people are considering it a little bit more. I'm not sure if you've seen this, Shannon, but it seems like people are considering it a little bit more. How do we actually create a better culture? How do we, is it something that, that we can um, control? Is it something that happens to us or is it something that we create and control? Yeah. So, I mean, this is this is the reason why I really wanted to talk with you guys um, and why your story was so interesting. Um, so skipping ahead a little bit, because um, you mentioned it. So... How would you define culture of a workplace? Is it the work? Is it the people? Is it the benefits? Is it like the foosball foosball table in the in the break room, or is it something bigger? Like what what is your definition of culture? So I'm gonna jump in here, um, Shannon. It's really everything that you just said. I mean, the culture is the first impression that you get from a company. It's um, when you, for example, like when you walk into an office, it is that vibe that you get, you know, there's that feeling of how you're being treated. Are people saying hi to you? Are people nice to one another? That's culture. Dive in a little bit deeper. You know, are people energized? Are they having fun at work? Because when you have a fun and energized work environment, employees are happy. And then you're going to deliver better service as well to your clients. It's going to just you know, it's, it's contagious, you know, when somebody's positive and there's that energy and there's that fun environment where people can go to and work together. It's amazing. So, um, like when you ask like the definition of, of what a environment is, um, it really depends upon the company and depends upon what your intention is for your culture. You know, when you look at a culture, why is it that you want this culture and how are you going to get there? That needs to be thought about. I think I think also Shannon that it, it's um, it's some of those things that you listed those those help to define culture. But I also think it's the little things. It's it's the saying thank you to someone in the hallway or saying please or or sweeping off someone's car in the parking lot after it snows or stopping on your way into the office and getting an extra Dunkin' Donuts for for Tanya. Or, or it's those it's it's just how you it's how you treat each other. You create that culture of, of people taking care of each other, and then that's going to translate to how they how they handle clients, how they treat clients. Um, it does start with kind of a central focus, I think. Tanya is our director of firm culture. How many firms have that? 
she leads the way in just being compassionate and empathetic and kind. And that permeates into how, how we all interact and how we handle our clients. Uh, someone wants to use the word, someone wants to use this word and it's kind of odd, but, but I think it's really true is residue that, that, you know, the culture is the residue of everything that happens within the, the work environment, right? Is it the foosball table if you have one? Yeah, it's a little bit, but it's way more these other things. It's way more the interactions, right? And, and we, we talk about this all the time. I, I don't know, I probably, people probably get me, or Tanya especially probably gets sick of me saying this, but it's you can't, I, I keep saying you can't buy culture. You know, we can't, we can't buy, we can't buy enough Starbucks to have a great culture. You can't buy enough foosball tables to have a great culture. It might help, right? You can throw money at things. You can build a gym, which, which we've done. Those things are all wonderful. But if you're not treating each other well, there's no chance you're going to have a good culture with it. I don't care how nice your gym is, right? If you're not investing, and, and here are some other things that, that aren't so, uh, don't feel like culture necessarily, maybe, or, or fun, but, but are way more important investing in the growth of your your teammates right mm -hmm. if people wow it's great we have a gym and i get starbucks and and even people are nice to me but my career's not growing nobody cares whether or not i'm going to get where i want to be three years from now um another uh phrase or, or servant leadership right that we're we're there to to help and to serve um our teammates and make sure that the firm is serving our clients absolutely but that the firm is also serving our teammates. And, and without our clients, we don't get to have teammates. Without teammates, we're not going to have clients. So it really is, again, that belief and kind of, you know, it, it, it's, it's all a, a giant circle. And, and the circle can be moving in the, in the direction we want it to be, or it could be, it could be moving backwards and it's about to roll us over. I, I think just to add to that, Kevin, I just wanted to mention that it's, it's really important for leadership to embrace culture too, and to lead the way. You know, I'm, we are very fortunate that we have an organization that where leadership embraces our culture and wants to, um, you know, do the right thing for teammates and do the right things for clients as well. And um, walk the walk and talk the talk. You know, it sounds pretty cliche, but it's true. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, off of that, um, you say that a lot of your clients have asked you, you know, how, how do we create this culture? How do we make it better? Uh, what is some advice that you've been giving your clients about if they come to you and they say, I know I want to change my culture. I know I want to make it better, but I have no idea where to start. Um, and how do you identify or help them identify ways where their culture is, I don't want to use the word toxic because that's a really negative word, but um, just really where the culture doesn't necessarily connect where the business needs and the employee needs where they really connect. So what advice do you give your clients for, for it, identifying those things? It begins and ends at the top. Mm -hmm. You cannot say we're going to have a great culture, right? And then leave the room and leave it for everybody else to figure out and, and then go work, you know, 90 hours and be demanding and over demanding is okay when it need when it's appropriate right overly demanding and being sent sending texts and emails at 10 30 at night and then again at 5 30 in the morning right you can't you and then say oh we have a great culture we buy starbucks and and we have a gym and you know right it's got to begin and, and and end at the top it, 
period, end of conversation. And if, and if a business owner comes to us and asks those sorts of questions, you know, I want to have, how do I have a great culture? And there, he or she is not willing to, to, to live it. The answer is you're not going to until you decide or leave, right? Let someone else do it. Really, it just, it just it, to me, it's, it, it's really that simple. But let's assume that somebody buys in, that somebody says, okay, yeah, I, I do want it. I am, I am bought in. Um, I am going to be, I am authentic when I say that, right? Um, he or she has to exhibit that behavior, right? And again, probably pretty obvious. Someone needs to own it. Someone needs to be in charge. So, so what it seemed really silly, um, Tanya accepted, we offered and Tanya accepted, right? The position of director of firm uh, culture when maybe we were 14 people, it felt really silly in some ways, yet back to what Dennis said or very early on, we said, this is what we wanna be. And we could easily, I grew up in accounting firms, right? Dennis grew up in, um, in investment firms, both very, very different but both have um, challenging and both have challenging environments. The one Dennis grew up in is very, you know, sales oriented, right? Um, you either meet your, your sales goals or you don't. Um, I, the environment I grew up in, it's about billable hours, right? You gotta, you gotta work a million hours. And if you don't, you're, you're not quite thought of in the, in the same way. We really fought, we really wanted to fight long and hard to create a firm that was neither of those two things, right? And, and not to knock anybody else, but it was, you, we almost learned not necessarily what to do, but what we didn't want to do. And it seemed like we needed to put somebody in charge of firm culture, even when we were pretty small. And so this is a very long-winded way of saying someone needs to own it, right? Someone needs to own the culture. And in our case, Tanya owns the culture and she does such a, she's, she's a culture champion um, and she's the one that says, and sometimes we agree and sometimes we don't agree, right? Say, well, that's a great idea, but boy, I don't know, that's too expensive or boy, that's a little too hokey or, hey, we still need to get the work done, you know? And, and, but Tanya's job is to, is, to, is to always advocate for culture. The other thing that I'll, I'll throw out there is, and this is maybe almost as, almost as important as, as ownership or leadership, you know, buying in you have to have the right people in the organization and said from the opposite direction, you can't have the wrong people. You can say you want a great culture, but if you have people that are generally unhappy people that are negative people that are right that are that are, that are not healthy teammates to have, you can't have them in the organization. It will not work, right? You'll be building a, You'll be building this wonderful culture for a certain subset of people and then the other people are gonna 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 tear it down. So it's really important to um, uh, make sure you have the right people on on the bus. Yeah. Anyone else want to jump in on that point, or did you pretty much cover it? Just I just want to mention one thing. You know, and, and thank you, Kevin, for for your kind words with everything. Um, the culture is um, everybody is responsible for culture. I, I want to emphasize that it's not just one individual's job to do that. You know, I'm I'm. You know, the, the kind words that Kevin said are very flattering, but, you know, when it comes down to it, everybody's really responsible. As Dennis was mentioning, it's about how you're treating people and whatnot. If, if you have individuals that aren't working together well, then that's going to, you know, be toxic within the culture. The other piece that I just want to touch upon, Kevin, um, that Kevin mentioned was polling people. You know, it's really important to ask questions 
you know, Dennis always reminds us when we don't know what we're, you know, when we don't, when we don't know about something, he's like, just ask people, they'll give you an opinion, they'll give you an answer about it. And I think that the best places to work survey has been really helpful with trying to figure out where we can improve our culture. You know, if you're looking for a starting point, I think that's an excellent starting point. Hold pull your team, find out where the issues are, find out where the challenges are, and, you know, select one that you really want to hone in on with intention and figure out how to, how to fix it. And then from there, work on the other areas where you may need to improve as well. Um, Kevin also mentioned like pulsing people. We do have a system in place that um, we do poll our teammates every other week, just to see, just to take a temperature, take a temperature check of your team. Figure out, you know, what cadence is good for those polls. It could be maybe once a month or every other week. You have to figure out what's going to work for your organization. Hey, Shannon, I'm going to tack on a little bit there too. Uh, quickly, if people are looking to establish a culture or they're trying to figure out a way to change their culture, I think you really need to be intentional about um, how you establish your mission statement. Uh, you know, some people... Uh, I always kind of fought that whole idea about writing a mission statement. It seemed kind of like it's really for management. It didn't really seem to make its way down to, to the rank and file employee. But I think companies need to spend time working on a mission statement and identifying the core values, which are going to create that culture. And then don't just write them and put them in a drawer and leave them there. You need to, you need to make all your decisions tie back to those core values. Decisions about hiring, and letting people go and new business ventures and mergers and all that, it all has to tie back to those core values. You have to stay true to those core values. Sorry, Dennis, I was going to say, and if it doesn't, and again, it, it, I think a lot of people go, oh, that's corny, right? Oh, core values. Yeah. We sell widgets and we make widgets and core values is a bunch of hokey stuff that, right, a bunch of psychologists came up with or whatever it might be. I, I think we couldn't disagree with that any any yeah. any. Right at the end of the day, it's your reason for being, it's why you do stuff, and it's the bedrock, right, the foundation that you can come back to when you do have a challenging question. Does this person really fit? Does this uh, company that we might buy really fit, right? Does this relationship with this giant customer or, or vendor that, you know, financially seems like it's a good idea, but does it really fit to be able to go back to those things and, and go, hmm. You know, it, it tends to give you direction and it's really been been valuable to us. Again, it might seem a little hokey at first, but if, if and if it does, and, and, and sorry, if, if you're trying to answer those questions with your core values and you still can't answer your question, you probably have the wrong core value. They're probably not really your core values. You just came up with some nice words that seemed, seemed like they sounded impressive, but they're probably really not what your core values in fact are. And oftentimes your culture can be defined by the worst behavior you allow, you know? So, so part of our review process, which everyone in our firm, we get, everyone gets a review four times a year. And one of the parts of that review is how you are operating. And it's a really important part, how you're operating as a teammate, how are you showing up? <laughs> one of the things is, are you working? How's your work-life balance? If you're working too much, it's a, it's a ding on your review. It's a negative. And also, are you being a good teammate? Um, those are really important things. And that's part of the core values that you set. You need to, you need to measure every decision, big and small, against those core values. It's really important. Yeah, that's really interesting that you said that. Um, to continue with work-life balance. So that is a huge 
um, value in your culture. Um, and it's a mandate for each employee. Um, so before the pandemic, we all knew that work-life balance was important, but many, many people, including myself, I will admit to this, um, didn't know what that looked like, like work-life balance. It's just this, um, this theory or this thing that sounds really great that we're all striving towards, but I don't know what it looks like. And it, it's probably not that important. Um, why is it mandated at your company? And do you think it should be mandated or um, it should be woven into the culture more at other companies? What, what have we learned, especially over the past year with this? Who wants to tap on that? I'll take that. I'll, I'll start us off if you want. Yeah. If, if, if your employees are not of healthy mind and spirit and body, then they're not going to interact well with each other. And perhaps more importantly, they're not going to interact well with your clients. So if they're not, if they're not able to balance and to, and to have a healthy lifestyle, the whole thing breaks down. The culture breaks down, the relationships with clients break down. But I want to just make a point about this whole work-life balance thing. Mm -hmm. um, it almost suggests that life is good and work sucks <laughs> and they're in conflict with each other. You know, like, oh man, I gotta, you know, I gotta balance the bad with the good. How about if you created a work environment that didn't, didn't suck, you know? That, then actually it would be a little bit smoother of a balance. That's that always kind of has struck me as a as an odd thing that I really need to balance this lousy part of my world with the good part of my world. Well, then it just turns into life. Like life has its ebbs and flows, professionally and personally. And in, yeah, like you said, instead of saying I got to make sure I have a really great personal life to counteract with work being sucky or really busy, and they sort of ebb and flow together. Is that what you're? suggesting or what you found? Imagine that. Yep. Absolutely. Imagine that. And how lucky are we, Shannon, that we, we, you know, we have a small organization that is nimble and, and maybe frankly, as we sit here, it just dawned on me. It's very possible that maybe we focus on this culture stuff out of selfishness that, that we ourselves want, you know, want a fun place to be. And so maybe we're not quite as, um, as thoughtful and nice as, as we think we, we, or we would want to be, maybe it's selfishness, but, but again, how cool is it to actually really enjoy the people you work with, um, have fun, right? Have a nice environment. Doesn't mean we don't. And I think sometimes the, <clears throat> I think sometimes the mistake many of us make is, is suggesting that, oh, you know, to have a proper work-life balance, you can only be working 32 hours a, a week or, you know, that it's an hours thing. It's, oh, you must be soft. Oh, you, you don't work hard, right? And again, I think that's, I, I, I don't think that's, that's true at all. I think it really comes down to what, what Dennis said. And it's unique to each person. Right. I could say I'm, I'm about to I'll, a couple of weeks. I'll be I'll be I'm going to turn 50. My kids are, are out of the house. They're in college now. Um, a balanced life a few years ago, 10 years ago, was much different than it is now. Right. The, the challenges of having young children and, and whatever challenges people have. And we all have different challenges. Some some need to take care of 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 parents. Right. Some some have longer commutes. Some have whatever it might be. Right? Some, some have passions elsewhere. 
to try to be supportive of those things. At the end of the day, we're, we exist to serve clients, right? We, 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 we need to be clear on that. Um, but if we can also at the same time be thoughtful about what works for each of us, what, what, what gives Dennis uh, work-life balance and Tanya work-life balance might be two completely different things. The fact that we can acknowledge that and try to try to do the best we can to, to be a good place for, for each of them to, to find that balance is, is pretty cool. Dennis, I see, I see people waving at the <laughs> Talk about work-life balance. That's right. uh, making sure you're near your pets at all times. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but think about how are you supposed to have like an energized, fun environment that's that's to build trust and relationships with your employees if you don't have that work-life balance. And if your company is not embracing that, it can't happen. You know, one of the things that we that we're doing with clients too, Shannon, and Kevin mentioned this before, is those business owner clients, um, mm -hmm. they're trying to balance their their crazy busy work with perhaps their crazy busy personal life. And as I said before, you, your personal life, your business life, and your financial life, when you're a business owner or an entrepreneur, they're completely interconnected. They're 100% interconnected. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these business owners are faced with the challenges of they've got their attorney they're trying to work with, and they've got their, their accountant they're trying to work with, and they've got a couple of insurance agents, and they've got their banker. And they, they've got so many balls up in the air that they can't either spend time on their personal life their personal life suffers, or they can't actually spend any time thinking strategically about the business. They're so, right, it's the saying, they're so busy working in the business or not working on the business. That's where we kind of walk alongside business owners and, and kind of guide them through all that, those disparate service providers and kind of take care of that stuff. So they can actually spend quality time with their family and quality time at work, not doing stuff, but actually thinking strategically. And that's, that is, so rewarding and fun. Our clients are so, um, we hear again and again how grateful they are that we're, we've actually been able to increase their quality of life, not just their, you know, their account size or their profitability in their business, but their quality of life has, has improved by the work that we do for them. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, so those were all the questions that I had for you guys, but this was, uh, I've never really had a conversation like this before. Usually for my guests, you know, we do talk a little bit about culture and, um, what it's like and how, how it's important, but, um, this is really your staple. This is a big value to you guys. Um, so a lot of lessons to take away here for anyone that's listening and for me as well. Um, so I want to thank you guys, Kevin, Tanya, Dennis, you guys are a fun bunch. Um, so, uh, this has been great talking with you guys. So thank you so much and congratulations one more time. For the latest Connecticut business news, events, and resources, visit CBIA.com. Follow us on Twitter at CBIA news and on LinkedIn and Facebook. Call us anytime at 860-244-1900. Stay safe out there. Thank you.